0: Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove Please listen to this recording in a place where you can safely go to sleep This episode is a collection of Norse stories It's a continuation of the book of the Children of Odin Which I have read previously on the podcast I hope you enjoy it If you haven't already please check out my new podcast, Sleep Sounds. It's a podcast that contains relaxing nature sounds, music and white noise. I've only just begun it, but it will get bigger and bigger in time with more tracks and episodes. So if you want to have a look, subscribe and leave a review, it will be very much appreciated. I'd like to say a big thank you to all my Patreon supporters, and if you would like to receive bonus and ad-free content, please check out my Patreon. I'd like to thank some new joiners, Susan, Emily, Sarah, Jordan R, Jordan J, Jesse, Melissa, Lorian, Caitlin, Catlin, and Daniel. Thank you so much for becoming supporters of the podcast. Now let's get into the Norse stories and let's begin. How Brock brought judgment on Loki. It was then Loki, with the wish of making the Azir and the Veneer friendly to him once more. Brought out the wonderful things he had gained from the dwarfs, the spear of Gungnir and the boat of Skidbladnir, the Aesir and the Veneer marvelled at these things so wonderful, Loki gave the spear as a gift to Odin and to Frey who was the chief of the Veneer. He gave the boat Sklidblanir. All Asgard rejoiced that things so wonderful and so helpful had been brought to them. And Loki, who had made a great show in giving these gifts, said boastingly, None but the dwarfs who work for me could make such things. There are other dwarfs, but they are as unhandy as they are misshapen. The dwarfs who are my servants are the only ones who can make such wonders. Now Loki in his boastfulness had said such a foolish thing. There were other dwarfs besides those who had worked for him. And one of these was there in Asgard. All unknown to Loki, he stood in the shadow of Odin's seat, listening to what was being said. Now he went over to Loki, his little unshapen form trembling with rage. Brock, the most spiteful of all the dwarfs. Ha! Loki, you boaster, he roared. You lie in your words. Sindri, my brother, who would scorn to serve you, is the best smith in Svaldheim. The Azir and the Vanir laughed to see Loki outfaced by Brock, the dwarf in the middle of his boastfulness. As they laughed, Loki grew angry be silent dwarf he said, your brother will know about smiths work when he goes to the dwarves who are my friends and learns something from them, he learned from the dwarves who are your friends, my brother Sindri learned from the dwarves who are your friends, brock roared in a greater rage than before. The things you have brought out of Slavim would not be noticed by the Azir and the Veneer if they were put beside the things that my brother Sindri can make. Sometime we will try your brother Sindri and see what he can do," said Loki. Try now, try now, Brock shouted. I'll wager my head against yours, Loki that his work will make the dwellers in Asgard laugh at your boasting. I will take your wager, said Loki, my head against yours, and glad will be I to see that ugly head of yours off your misshapen shoulders. The Azir will judge whether my brother's work is not the best. That ever came out of Slavheim, And they will see it that you pay your wager. Loki the head off your shoulders. Will ye not sit in judgment, O dwellers in Asgard? We will sit in judgment, said the Azir. Then still full of rage, Brok the dwarf went down to Slavheim And to the place where his brother Sindri worked. There was Sindri in the glowing forge, working with the bellows, an anvil, and hammers beside him, and around him, masses of metal, gold and silver, copper and iron. Brock told his tale how he had wagered his head against Loki's, that Sindri could make things more wonderful. And the spear and the boat that Loki had brought into Asgard. You are right in what you said, my brother, said Sindri, and you shall not lose your head to Loki. But the two of us must work at what I am going to forge. It will be your work to keep the fire, so that it will neither blaze up. Nor die down for a single instant. If you can keep the fire as I tell you, we will forge a wonder. Now brother, keep your hands upon the bellows, and keep the fire under your control. Then into the fire Sindri threw not a piece of metal, but a pigskin, Brock kept his hands on the bellows working it so that the fire neither died down nor blazed up for a single instant. And in the glowing fire the pigskin swelled itself into a strange shape. But Brock was not left to work the bellows in peace. Into the forge flew a glad It lightened up Brock's hands and stung them, and the dwarf screamed with pain, but his hands still held the bellows, working to keep the fire steady, for he knew that the Gladfly was Loki, and that Loki was striving to spoil Sindri's work, again the gadfly stung his hands, but Brock... Although his hands felt as if they were pierced with hot irons, still worked the bellows so that the fire did not blaze up, or die down for a single instant. Sindri came and looked into the fire. Over the shape that was rising there, he said words of magic. The gadfly had flown away, And Sindri bade his brother cease working. He took out the thing that could have been shaped in the fire, And he worked over it with his hammer. It was a wonder indeed, A bore all golden, that could fly through the air and that shed light from its bristles as it flew. Brock forgot the pain in his hands and screamed with joy. This is the greatest of wonders, he said. The dwellers in Asgard will have to give the judgement against Loki. I shall have Loki's head. But Sindri said, The boar, golden bristle, may not be judged as a great wonder as the spear, gungear, or the boat, Skidbladnir. We must make something more wonderful still. Work the bellows as before, brother, and do not let the fire die down all blaze up for a single instant, then Sindri took up a piece of gold that was so bright it lightened up the dark cabin that the dwarves worked in, he threw the piece of gold into the fire, then he went to make something else and left brock to work the bellows. The gadfly flew in again. Brock did not know it was there until it lightened up the back of his neck. It stung him till Brock felt the pain was wrenching him apart. But still he kept his hands on the bellows. Working it so that the fire neither blazed up nor died down for a single instant. When Sindri came to look into the fire, Brock was not able to speak for pain. Again Sindri said magic words over the gold that was being smelted in the fire, and he took it out of the glow and worked it over on the main anvil and then in a while he showed Brock something that looked like the circle of their sun a splendid arm ring my brother he said an arm ring for a god's right arm and this ring has hidden wonders every ninth night Eight rings like itself Will drop from this arm ring This is Drapnir The Ring of Increase To Odin, the father of the gods The ring shall be given Said Brock. And Odin will have to declare That nothing so wonderful Or so profitable to the gods Was ever brought into Asgard O Loki, cunning Loki I shall have thy head in spite of thy tricks. Be not too hasty, brother, said Sindri. What we have done so far is good, but better still must be the thing that will make the dwellers in Asgard give the judgment that delivers Loki's head to thee. Work as before, brother, and do not let the fire blaze. The fire blaze up, all down for a single instant. This time Sindri threw into the fire a bar of iron. Then he went away to fetch the hammer that would shape it. Brock worked the bellows as before, but only his hands were steady for every other part of him was trembling with expectation of the gadfly's sting. He saw the gadfly dart into the forge, he screamed as it flew round and round him, searching out a place where it might sting him most fearfully. It lighted down on his forehead, just between his eyes. The first thing it gave took the sight from his eyes. It stung again, and Brock felt the blood flowing down. Darkness filled the cave. Brock tried to keep his hands steady on the bellows, but he did not know whether the fire was blazing up or dying down. He shouted, and Sindri hurried up. Sindri said the magic words over the thing that was in the fire. Then he drew it out. An instant more, he said, and the work would have been perfect. But because you let the fire die down for an instant, the work is not as good as it might have been. He took what was shaped in the fire to the main anvil and worked over it. Then when Brock's eyesight came back to him, he saw a great hammer. A hammer all of iron. The handle did not seem to be long enough to balance the head. This was because the fire had died down for an instant while it was being formed. The hammer is Molnir, said Sindri, and it is the greatest of all things that I am able to make. All in Asgard must rejoice to see this hammer, four only will be able to wield it. Now I am not afraid of the judgement that the dwellers in Asgard will give. The dwellers in Asgard will have to give judgement for us. Brock cried out. They will have to give judgement for us. And the head of Loki, my tormentor, will be given to me. No more wonderful or more profitable gifts than these have ever been brought into Asgard. Sindri said. Thy head is saved, and thou wilt be able to take the head of Loki, who was insolent to us. Bring it here and we will throw it into the fire in the forge. The Azir and the Veneer were seated in the council house of Asgard when a train of dwarves appeared before them. Brock came at the head of the train and was followed by a band of dwarves, carrying things of great weight. Brock and his attendants stood round the throne of Odin and hearkened to the words of the father of the gods. We know why you have come into Asgard from out of Slavheim, Odin said, you have brought things wonderful and profitable to the dwellers in Asgard let what you have brought be seen Brock if they are more wonderful and more useful than the things Loki has brought out of Slavheim the spear of Gungir and the boat Skidbladnir we will give judgement for you Then Brock commanded the dwarves who waited on him To show the dwellers in Asgard the first of the wonders that Sindri had made They brought out the boar golden bristle Round and round the council house the boar flew Leaving a track of brightness The dwellers in Asgard said one to the other that this was a wonder indeed. But none would say that the ball was a better thing to have in Asgard than the spear that would hit the mark no matter how badly it was flung. Or the boat Skidbladnir that would sail on any sea that could be folded up so small that it would fit into anyone's pocket. None would say that Golden Bristle was better than these wonders. To Frey, who was chief of the veneer, Brock gave the wondrous boar. Then the attending dwarfs showed the arm ring that was as bright as the circle of the sun. All admired the noble ring, and when it was told how every ninth night, this ring dropped eight rings of gold that were like itself. The dwellers in Asgard spoke aloud, all saying that Dravner, the ring of increase, was a wonder indeed. Hearing their voices raised, Brock looked triumphantly at Loki, who was standing there with his lips drawn. Closely together. To Odin, the father of the gods, Sprock gave the noble armory. Then he commanded the attending dwarfs to lay before Thor the hammer Molnir. Thor took the hammer up and swung it around his head. As he did, he uttered a great cry, and the eyes of the dwellers in Asgard lightened up when they saw Thor with the hammer Mjolnir in his hands, their eyes lightened up and their lips came the cry, this is a wonder, a wonder indeed, with this hammer in his hand, none can withstand Thor, our champion, no greater thing has ever come into Asgard than the hammer Mjolnir. Then Odin, the father of the gods, spoke from his throne giving judgment. The hammer Mjolnir that the dwarf Brokk has brought into Asgard is a thing wonderful indeed, and profitable to the gods. In Thor's hands it can crush mountains and hurl the giant race from the ramparts of Asgard. Sindri, the dwarf, has forged a greater thing than the spear Gungnir, and the boat slid near. There can be no other judgment. Brock looked at Loki, showing his gnarled teeth. Now, Loki, yield your head, yield your head, he cried. Do not ask such a thing, said Odin. Put any other penalty on Loki for mocking you and tormenting you. Make him yield to you the greatest thing that is in his power to give. Not so, not so, screamed Brock. You dwellers in Asgard, would shield one another, but what of me? Loki would have taken my head had I lost the wager. Loki has lost his head to me. Let him kneel down, now, till I cut his off. Loki came forward smiling with closed lips. I kneel before you, Dwarf, he said. Take off my head, but be careful. Do not touch my neck. I did not bargain that you should touch my neck. If you do, I shall call upon the Dwellers and Asgard to punish you. Brock drew back with a snarl. Is this the judgment of the gods, he asked? The bargain you made, Brock said Odin, was an evil one, and all its evil consequences you must bear. Brock, in a rage, looked upon Loki, and he saw that his lips were smiling. He stamped his feet and raged. Then he went up to Loki and said, I may not take your head, but I can do something with your lips that mock me. What would you do, dwarf? said Thor. Sew Loki's lips together, said Brock, so that he can do no more mischief with his talk. You dwellers in Asgard cannot forbid me to do this. Down, Loki, on your knees before me. Loki looked round on the dwellers in Asgard and saw that their judgment was that he must kneel before the dwarf. He knelt down with a frown upon his brow. Draw your lips together, Loki, said Brock. Loki drew his lips together while his eyes flashed fire. With an awl that he took from his belt, Brock pierced Loki's lips. He took out a thong and tightened them together. Then in triumph the dwarf looked on Loki. Oh, Loki, he said, you boasted that the dwarves who worked for you were better craftsmen than Sindri, my brother. Your words have been shown to be lies, and now you cannot boast for a while. Then Brock the dwarf with great majesty walked out of the council house of Asgard, and attending dwarfs marched behind him in procession. Down the passages... In the earth the dwarfs went singing the song of Brock's triumph over Loki. And in Slavine it was told forever, After how Sindri and Brock had prevailed. In Asgard, now that Loki's lips were closed, there was peace and a respite from mischief. No one amongst these ear or the veneer was sorry that Loki had to walk about in silence with his head. Bent low. The second half of this podcast is sponsored by Mantisleep. Mantis sleep believe that having quality sleep is the foundation for everything good that happens in life. With this mission in mind, they've continued to innovate on sleep masks as well as sleep accessories, so you can sleep better. Man2Sleep have a range of of sleep masks which some customers have called bras for the eyes. Manta sleep masks have 100% blackout for deeper sleep they're infinitely adjustable for a personalised fit they're soft, breathable and durable and there's zero pressure on the eyelids or lashes there's also a slim mask which is a lot lighter for the barely there feel and it's slim and it has an over the ear strap it's soft durable and has snag free materials and there's also a warm mask that alleviates stress and dry eyes powered by 100% natural steam and it gives you relief in 3-5 to five minutes and There's also a weighted mask and an aroma mask. Please go and visit Manta's website at mantasleep.com How Freya gained her necklace and how her loved one was lost to her. Yes, Loki went through Asgard silent and with head bent. And the dwellers in Asgard said one until the other, This will teach Loki to work no more mischief. They did not know that what Loki had done had sown the seeds of mischief, and these seeds were soon to sprout up and bring sorrow to the beautiful Vanafreya, to Freya, whom the giant wanted to carry off, with the sun and the moon as payment, for his building the wall around Asgard. Freya had looked upon the wonders that Loki had brought into Asgard, the golden threads that were Sif's hair, and Frey's boar that shed light from its bristles as it flew. The gleam of these golden things dazzled her and made her dream in the daytime and the nighttime of the wonders that she might herself possess. And often she thought, what wonderful things the three giant women would give me if I could bring myself to go to them on their mountain top. Long ere this, when the wall around their city was not yet built and when the gods had set up only the court with their twelve seats and the hall that was for Odin and the hall that was for the goddesses, there had come into Asgard three giant women. They came after the gods had set up a forge. And had begun to work metal for their buildings. The metal they worked was pure gold. With gold they built Gladsheim, the Hall of Odin. And with gold they made all their dishes and household ware. Then was the Age of Gold, and the gods did not grudge gold to anyone. Happy were the gods then. And no shadow, nor forbading, lay on Asgard. But after the three giant women, the gods began to value gold and to hoard it. They played with it no more, and the happy innocence of their first days departed from them. At last the three were banished from Asgard. The gods turned their thoughts from the hoarding of gold... And they built up their city and they made themselves strong and now Freya the lovely veneer bride thought upon the giant women and on the wonderful things of gold they had flashed through their hands but not to Odor her husband she did not speak her thoughts for Odor more than any of the other dwellers in Asgard was wont to think of the days of happy innocence, before gold came to be hoarded and valued. Odor would not have Freya go near the mountain top, where the three had their high seat. But Freya did not cease to think upon them, and upon the things of gold they had. Why should Odor know I went to them, she said to herself. No one will tell him, And what difference would it make if I go to them, and gain some lovely thing for myself? I shall not love Odor the less because I go my own way for once. The one day, she left their palace, leaving Odor, her husband playing with their little children, Honessa. She left the palace and went down to the earth. There she stayed for a while. Tending the flowers that were her charge After a while she asked the elves to tell her where the mountain was on Which the three giant women stayed The elves were frightened and would not tell her Although she was queen over them She left them and stole down into the caves of the dwarfs It was they who showed her the way to the seat of the giant women, but before they showed her the way, they made her feel shame and misery. We will show you the way if you stay with us here, said one of the dwarfs. For how long would you have me stay, said Freya? Until the cocks far-lime crow, said the dwarfs closing round her. We want to know what the company of one of the Veneer is like. I will stay, Freya said. Then one of the dwarfs reached up and put his arms round her neck and kissed her with his ugly mouth. Freya tried to break away from them, but the dwarfs held her. You cannot go away from us until the cocks of Slavheim crow, they said. Then one and then another of the dwarfs pressed up to her and kissed her, they made her sit down beside them on the heaps of the skins they had. When she wept, they screamed at her and beat her, one, when she would not kiss him on the mouth, bit her hands, so Freya stayed with the dwarfs until the cocks of and crew. They showed her the mountain on the top, of which the three, banished from Asgard, had their abode. The giant women sat overlooking the world of men. What would you have from as wife of Odor? One who was called Gulvig said to her. Alas, now that I have found you, I know that I should ask for naught, Freya said speak varna said the second of the giant women the third said nothing but she held up in her hands a necklace of gold most curiously fashioned how bright it is freya said there is shadow where you sit women but the necklace you hold makes brightness now oh how i should joy to wear it it is the necklace Brings in the men, said the one who was called Gelvig. It is yours to wear, wife of Odor, said the one who held it in her hands. Freya took the shining necklace and put it around her throat. She could not bring herself to thank the giant women, for she saw there was evil in their eyes. She made reverence to them, however and went down the mountain on which they sat, overlooking the world of men. In a while she looked down and saw Brinzigman, and her misery went from her. It was the most beautiful thing ever made by hands. None of the Isner and none of the Vener possessed a thing so beautiful. It made her more and more lovely. And Odor she thought would forgive her when he saw how beautiful and happy Bringsingaman made her. She rose up from amongst the flowers and took leave of the slight elves and made her way to Asgard. All who greeted her looked long and with the wonder upon the necklace that she wore, and into the eyes of the goddesses there came a look of longing when they saw the necklace but Freya hardly stopped to speak to anyone as swiftly as she could make her way to her own place she could show herself to Oda and win his forgiveness she entered her shining palace and called to him no answer came her child the little Hanessa was on the floor playing her mother took her in her arms But the child, when she looked at the necklace, turned away crying. Freya left Anussar down and searched again for Odor. He was not in any part of their palace. She went into the houses of all who dwelt in Asgard, asking for tidings of him. None knew where he had gone. At last Freya went back to their palace, and waited for Odor to return. But Odor did not come. One came to her. It was the goddess, Odin's wife, the queenly Frigga. You are waiting for Odor, your husband Frigga said. Ah, let me tell you, Odor will not come to you here. He went, when for the sake of a shining thing, You did what would make him unhappy. Oda has gone from Asgard, and no one knows where to search for him. I will seek him outside of Asgard, Freya said. She wept no more, but she took down the little child Hanessa and put her in Frigga's arms. Then she mounted her car that was drawn by two cats, and journeyed down from Asgard to Midgard, the earth, to search for Odur, her husband. Year in and year out and all over the earth, Freya went searching and calling for the lost Odur. She went as far as the bounds of the earth, where she could look over to Jotunhelm, where dwelt the giant who would have carried her off with the sun and the moon as payment for the building of the wall around Asgard. But in no place, from the end of the rainbow bifrost that stretched from Asgard to the earth, to the boundary of Jotunhelm, did she find a trace of her husband Odor, At last she turned her car toward Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, that stretched from Midgard, the earth, to Asgard, the dwelling of the gods. Heimdall, the watcher for the gods, guarded the rainbow bridge. To him Freya went with her half-hope, fluttering in her heart. O Heimdall, she cried, O Heimdall! Watcher for the gods, speak to me if you know what Odor is. Odor is in every place where the searcher has not come. Odor is in every place that the searcher has left. Those who seek him will never find Odor, said Heimdall, the watcher of the gods. Then Freya stood on Bifrost and wept. Frigga, the queenly goddess, heard the sound of her weeping, and came out of Asgard to comfort her. Ah, what comfort can you give me, Frigga, said Freya, what comfort can you give me when Odor will never be found by one who searches for him? Behold how your daughter the child Hanessa has grown, said Frigga. Freya looked up and saw a beautiful maiden, Standing on the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. She was young, more youthful than any of the Veneer or the Esenir, and her face and her form were so lovely that all hearts became melted when they looked upon her. And Freya was comforted in her loss. She followed Frigga across Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge, and came once again into the city of the gods. In her own palace in Asgard, Freya dwelt with Hanessa, her child. She still wore around her neck the necklace that had lost her Odil, but now she wore it not for its splendour, but as a sign of the wrong she had done. She wept and her tears became golden drops as they fall on the earth and by poets who know her story, she is called the beautiful lady in tears.